And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle station. Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, the the original series number 41. 41. And if you remember last month in uh, the comic book section of this, uh, the comic books ended off right at the tippy tip of where Star Trek 4 begins and that's where we're at today we're going to be doing a commentary on star trek 4 what was it the voyage home was this one the voyage home yes the voyage home which uh, i gotta admit i always thought was kind of a lame title but i don't know we can we can get into Cash, <laughs> cashing in on the et thing maybe but, ah, uh, you know, I had never thought about that, yeah. but you could be absolutely uh-huh. right, sir. Yeah, oh, you know, I, I never my. even put that together before. Mm-hmm. You, you may be right. But um, before we actually go into our commentary, though, Scott has a little bit of—I don't want to say homework or or uh, or that—but he's got some shout-outs to. Uh, I do. I, I just uh, a couple of what do you call it? Housekeeping type things to take care of here. Housekeeping. <laughs> well, if you remember last time around, um, if you listened to our last episode, which was uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday, I made that mention was, in there. Uh, huh? You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was going to. In, in you, the but... order that they're going yes. to hear them, my friend. Yes, not right. the order that we've recorded. Yes, them. you're right. <laughs> um, but our last episode that uh, that you guys will have heard was uh, would be Star Wars Monthly Monday, and we uh, I mentioned in there that uh, I got a big old box of stuff from uh, David A. Pascarella, and uh, I just had mentioned you know in that episode the Star Wars related stuff. Well, the bulk of what he sent was actually Star Trek related stuff, and it is 
some awesome, awesome, awesome swag. And I just kind of wanted to run down the list a little bit and uh, and give that proper shout out to uh, David. So I've got here, I've got a big old stack of books. We've got Star Trek Vulcan's Forge by uh, Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz. I remember reading this book a while ago. I can't remember much about it. I'm going to have to end up rereading it again because another book that was in the stack is Vulcan's Heart, which is a a continuation of that storyline by the same two authors. That one I have not read, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. But the bulk of what was in here that I was really excited about is we have four, count them four, hardcover editions of Shatnerverse Star Trek books. We have The Ashes of Eden, uh, Avenger, Spectre, and Dark Victory. Together with The Return, this comprises the first five books in the Shatnerverse series. I already have all these, and I'm going to pass these off to you, my friend, and I want to throw down the challenge that we start reading these together and we do coverage on these, because I'm telling you, dude, I think you're going to I'm down for them. the Shatnerverse, for yes. sure. Yes, it's... Especially awesome. after watching Star Trek Four, I'm I'm ready for some <laughs> Shatner. It is everything we love about Star Trek because it's all about the Kirk, and that's that's what I love about it. It's it's bringing the Kirk to the Picard era. That's what I love about it. It's basically all right. Step aside. Let me show you how this uh, Captain thing's done, and it's freaking awesome, dude. They are a great great series of books. So. Uh, Thank you very much, David, uh, and uh, and keep listening because uh, we will we will start uh, that coverage so just as soon as I can uh, pass these books along to uh, to Chris. Also, I finally got around to reading that uh, that Star Trek Voyager miniseries that I had mentioned a while back. Um, Trying to remember what the name of it, the Planet Killer. It was a three issue miniseries that was done um, under the Wildstorm imprint when uh, when DC had that for a while. And uh, it was really, really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The, the story was a little simple. It was basically, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, it was basically just a retelling of the Doomsday Machine, but with the Voyager cast instead of the classic cast. But what was really interesting about it was the story is very simplistic, but the characters felt true to the to the tv show characters although the dialogue i felt was a little bit stilted you know it was a whole lot of like techno jargon you know like you know hailing frequencies open and stuff so there wasn't like any character development it was really just a battle story very much like the doomsday machine itself you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but it was a really good story the art was phenomenal in it and what was really cool is at one point Harry Kim, who's kind of like the you know the 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 nerd of the crew, you know, he's kind of like the Wesley Crusher of the crew, does some digging in the memory banks and finds Kirk's encounter with the original Doomsday Machine, and basically gives that information to the captain in a briefing. And you know they're all feeling very smug. Well, you know we we know how to defeat this thing now. You know Kirk did it you know a hundred years ago, and you know so now we've got the secret. Well, of course when they go to do it, it doesn't work. So they have to come up with a whole new way to defeat the Doomsday Machine. So I thought that was a very interesting little wrinkle. But uh, it was it was a good little miniseries. I would highly recommend it if you can get your hands on it. And I think that's pretty much all I got for this one. I don't know about you. I'm itching to talk about Star Trek IV. I... 
Well, let's get going then. Jesus. I thought you meant I as in like I, and then you were going to say something else. Not no, I, it's an like, I, sir. I, sorry, I thought you were going to say like I agree or no. I hate that movie or something. No, I, I, I. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. I am paused at uh, at zero zero, and I think we're synced up with the same file here. So, well, did, are we good to go? Did you want to do your origin story before you? Uh, we did the movie. Was that? Let's do that. Yeah. Um, this movie came out in uh, in late November of. Let me see. What year was that? It was eighty six, and I had just joined the uh, the air force. In uh, on the nineteenth, I think it was the nineteenth or thereabouts. And, you know, I likewise went into the service in in late November of of eighty six, right out of high school, and so I distinctly remember um, two viewings of uh, of Star Trek Four. I remember the first time I saw it was the very first time that I got a uh, 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 Town Liberty. When I was in basic training, which is basically, you know, when you're in basic training, you know, you're confined to the base up until a certain time. And then you can earn the privilege to, you know, leave the base for for short little jaunts into town and that sort of thing. And uh, me and some buddies of mine went into uh, into San Antonio and went to the mall. And that was the first time I saw um, Star Trek four and really, really enjoyed it. I was really blown away uh, by the movie. I thought it was really, really good. And I don't know if it was the the very next time I saw it or not, but I know that um, eventually it came to the base theater because I ended up staying at um, at Lackland, which is the the base in San Antonio, longer than any of my other flight mates because my tech school was also at the same base. So when I was done with basic training, you know, everybody goes off to, you know, whatever base they're assigned to or whatever. I ended up being there for a couple extra months because then I went straight from basic training into my tech school, which was literally like right across the street. So I was there long enough for the movie to go into not quite second run, but the the, the base theater was a little bit behind the regular theater. It was almost I don't remember if it was a dollar, but I remember it was like a discounted theater and it came there. So, you know, one day after, you know, after training or on the weekend or something like that, I remember going to see it again. And that was a really cool experience because I went in and the theater was relatively empty. And so I got like a prime place to sit and everything. And this really pretty girl came down the aisle and she was like, you know, is anybody sitting with you? And I was like, no. And she just sat down right next to me and, and we just sat there and just watched the movie together. And like, you know, after it was all over, she, we just like kind of went our separate. But during that little time, it was just it was so cool. You know, it was just this nice little I want to say romantic moment, but it was just, you know, it was one of those moments, you know, because basic training and, and tech school, the whole experience. I thought you were so- going to say like she was a hooker or something. And like, <laughs> no, this was school. on the base, dude. No, she that, was, where's she the was... best place to find horny GIs? No, 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 she was, she was a fellow, she was a fellow airman, but it was really cool. You know, it was a, it was a weird little, like, I didn't, I don't even think I got her name or I don't think I ever saw her again or anything, but just for that brief little moment, it was just nice little, you know, getting to to spend you know two hours with this cute little girl watching you know Star Trek. It was just it was weird. It was I don't know. I probably didn't tell that story very well, but anyway, those are my uh, my two biggest memories from seeing uh, Star Trek Four when it came out. And this is the first one I actually saw in the theater. 
Hey, well, it's it's notable to say that when you do see a Star Trek movie in the theater with a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, At that time, no, it was, yes, very yeah, much. Yes, oh. I was going to say, I definitely did not see Star Trek four in the theater with a girl. <laughs> I was probably I was probably by myself. I was probably I was always going to the movies by myself. Then you know, just every weekend going to as many movies as I could, many matinees I could squeeze in. At that time in my life, yes, yeah, sitting next to a very pretty girl in the movie theater was a big deal. It was so. awesome, yeah. yeah. Especially a Star Trek movie. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, that was my origin story. You know, I, I saw Star Trek three at the drive-in. That was the first one uh-huh. I saw at the movies. But this was the first one I saw in a theater. So, you know, just a little bit of a distinction there. But yeah, that's that's my uh, my quick and dirty origin story on this. And uh, what's weird is, you know, over time, I, I think I've been a lot harsher on this movie than than maybe it deserves. Because I I pulled this out and and rewatched it yesterday, after many 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 years of having seen this movie, and was just really pleasantly surprised that uh, wow, this is a lot better than I remembered it to be. I mean, I never hated it or anything. I just this was always like way, way, way down the list for me on on my list of you've like been, you've been you've been doing a lot of the whenever we talk about. It. I watched it a little while ago and I was like, oh yeah, this is a, this. I remember this is really good. And you've uh, and lately you've been doing the sort of like, well. I don't know. We'll have to see it again, but I have a feeling <laughs> it's ain't gonna hold up against the test of time. Right. So now you get to eat those words a little bit, a little bit. I there, I still have some 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 criticisms which I'll I'll bring up over the course of this, but I'm ready when you're ready, my friend. Okay, you want me to do the countdown? Do the countdown. All right, on go. Three, two, one, go. Now, I was asking you just before we got started with this, if yours had this weird little preamble thing. Yeah, last week on Star Trek. Yeah, I, this is something new that I'm not sure when exactly they started tacking this on. Because I know when I had this on video. I don't seem to uh, remember this from the theater, the, for sure. Yeah, no, no, this is not part of the theatrical version of the movie, and it wasn't on video releases. This is something that's come along... Since DVD, so far as I know, because I believe I've had every version of this that that's been released on video, you know, between VHS and and DVD, and both my standard edition DVD has this, and then the the two disc deluxe edition that I have um, has this. But to my recollection, none of the VHS editions that I ever had had this. So I don't know what this. It's weird, but you're right. It is. It it very much feels like it's cut you know, just like a just like a catchy up on a TV program, right? Very much so. See, I, I love that outfit that Kirk's wearing right there. I wish that had been the one that he'd worn in the in the movie, not instead of the red one. I like the red one, but I like the blue one better. It reminds me a lot of his admiral's outfit from. Um, the first movie. It also looks like they cut this together from prints that had been laying around on the drive-in movie theater floor too. There's like scratches. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the, very dark. The color, the color of, of them doesn't totally match up all the time from movie to movie. You know, there's little warbles sometimes when there's a cut. It's just very, it's weird. It's very TV-like. I like this cut because this makes 
and we'll find out by the end of this movie. It, it makes it. This is the probably the most Star Trek TV show, Star Trek movie I think, besides the Next Generation ones. You know, um, but this it of the of the old it depends. crew. It depends because in a lot of ways, I, I think that the next movie, I think Star Trek Five, is a lot like an episode of TOS, but not necessarily in a good way. I think it, it feels like a like a third season episode, like a big screen third season episode, you know, and not one of the the particularly good ones. You know what I mean? Well, th this one definitely feels like a TV show in the in the. Good Kirk way. left his jacket on the ground. I noticed that when I was watching this again, because every time I watch this, I'm thinking, I thought Kirk put his jacket on David's body. See, so I know he puts. You were huh? born to work continuity in a movie. <laughs> but see, he has his jacket here, and then he has it all through the movie. But right there in that scene where he beams off of Genesis holding Spock, it showed his jacket still laying on the ground unless he picked it up. I don't know. I need to go back and rewatch Star Trek Three again now because this is just clips, so he may have picked it up at some point, but it didn't look like he did. He's got a scruff on his face. <laughs> He's got the classic... Kirk scratch across the forehead. <laughs> to be identified by scratches on his forehead. <laughs> oh, there's some there's some enemy within references coming up in this one. Now, see, I always thought this was really classy, dedicating the movie to uh Well to they the should they're they're tied right in oh, yeah. to NASA. I well, have... she, uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols at this time, um, was, was working for NASA in some sort of publicity relation, you know, public relations capacity as well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they've always been closely associated with, with the space program. No, but I just, I thought that was really classy because that had just happened when this movie came. Cause that happened in, we April. were still in school. That was that must have been eighty six. So yeah, it was April of that year. So it wasn't even six months prior. Now this right here is my biggest criticism with this movie, and one of the reasons why I, I probably have somewhat undeservedly been harsh on this movie a lot over the years. It definitely has the weakest score by far. There's moments of it I like, because I like Biblio Mike pointed out, you know, the, the flourish at the very end of the movie, um, you know, when, when everything's resolved at the end of the picture. I do like that. I, I think that's good. And there are parts of this theme that I like, but overall, it's it's a pretty weak theme. Once again, it's very TV. It's very sort of second it's like sort of like Battlestar Galactica trying to be Star Wars style, you know, which goes along with this with the whole style of this movie. I think Leonard Nimoy really like tried to ca you know, I, I I think a lot of this movie, I mean, it owes a lot to Leonard Nimoy. Oh yes. Understanding yes. the character and understanding how the TV show worked. And understanding, you know, that, like, hey, you know, maybe you should give the viewers not really a break, but, you know, lighten it up a little bit. You know, let let people have fun with Star Trek instead of having it be like an opera, you know, where somebody's got to die or a ship's got to blow up, you know. Well, the, the biggest parallel that I, I would draw with this is that this is very much 
the trouble with tribbles of the motion pictures and the score reflects that because honestly i think that the trouble with tribbles score is one of the weakest of the entire original series and you know so there you go this is the weakest score of the original series movies as well and it does feel very much like you know one of the lighter fluffier tv show episodes i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just you know, you know me. I like my I like my explosions and my drama and my battles and stuff. And I mean, there's one phaser shot in the entire movie, and it's at a doorknob. You know what I mean? So. Well, you know, I mean, we get the this time we get the characters doing their thing to get, you know getting to like actually just be together, you know, in an adventure. Right. And a romp. romp. Yes, yes. It's it's it's. It's a romp. It's still saving the fate of the Earth. But you know what? It's a time travel story, so you, there's not as much of a... They have to uh, devise a little bit of... Now, isn't that guy... Isn't that guy's race... Don't they become Jedis, too? Wasn't he on the <laughs> Jedi Council? That's Simba's mother, by the way. Is it? Yes. The voice. She uh -huh. was the voice of Simba's mom. Uh -huh. The Lion King. Now, did you notice in the credits that Chapel was listed as Commander Chapel now instead of Doctor? And I, I kind of wondered what that was all about. And there must be a story there somewhere. Now, we're going to see that same shot right there recycled on Next Gen about 50 times. That little shot well, of uh, say, Starfleet headquarters. You always have to see the San Francisco. You always have to see the, the bridge because it says you're in San Francisco, you know. So you always have to see the Golden Gate Bridge. And once again... Back to the back to the original TV series. <laughs> Where's we, this footage from? We, we find out that Starfleet has actual cinematic footage of everything <laughs> that happens from multiple angles and from outside <laughs> the ship. Oh, it just missed their camera that they have floating in space every ten feet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think that that deserves to be addressed. You know, where where exactly <laughs> does that footage come from? Star huh? Trek Three. <laughs> I guess I guess the DVD could or the VHS was out by that point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Death Star has a weak point here. <laughs> Despite what I you know what I said about the the weak score and all, the, I do love the opening to this movie with the with the whale probe coming in at the beginning. I like this guy as the Klingon ambassador too. He's, Although he's, he's a little he's a little Moses in, in parts here. He's got still. he's he's thrown a little Christopher Lloyd in there too. He's, <laughs> yeah, he is. Now, did you see the guy with the C three PO face back there? That was kind of weird. <laughs> there are some cool aliens. This was the first time in a, in quite a well. This was the first time since the motion picture that we've really seen say. a whole bunch of aliens like this, which is good. I mean, it's Starfleet headquarters, so there should be more than just humans and you know was this before three men and a baby or is this yes post okay. yeah he did he did um star trek three star trek four three men and a baby and another one the good mother or something like that the good earth the good mother something like that he probably got three men and a baby because of this because this movie made yes. boatloads yes. of money yeah I, this movie was a huge hit i compare this movie a little bit to the reboot of star trek in some ways, because in some ways it's kind of a reboot. It's it was, funny you should say that because the the shot at the very end of the movie, 
um, when Kirk says, let's see what she's got. If you look around that bridge, it is very much the Apple Store bridge that everybody complains about in the the Abrams one. But w when we get there, make a, make a note. Because you only get a quick glimpse of it. But if you look around, everything is slick, polished, white surfaces mm -hmm. everywhere. There's, there's no color in that scene at all other than the red uniforms. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they, they, they were like, they, let's make a Star Trek movie that's palatable for the wider audience, you know. That, that matte screen right there, that's a really good one. The the painting of the uh, Klingon. Yeah. Picture. I mean, it's so obviously a matte painting, <laughs> but it's be I love that, though. It's beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. I love those matte paintings. I love the, the green, almost, it looks like it should have vines growing off it. See, I want to know what those guys are doing for a living now. All those matte painting guys like like the Ellen Shaws and stuff. What do they do for a living now? I love they're, the Conehead uh, Vulcans, by the way. Uh, they're like Coneheads mixed with some sort of like Centurion thing. Who are those guys that, that collect for kids there, like the burn victim kids and stuff? The um, Shriners. <laughs> they're Vulcan oh, Shriners. Yeah, That's they got their fezes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, Scotty. <laughs> I like this though. It gave kind of a a, a Star Warsy like Millennium Falcon feel to the crew for for these couple of movies. I thought that was actually kind of neat. Yeah, they got they they they're a little like in a mixture of their civilian clothes. Is that Goran Rock? I don't know. It looks like it, doesn't it? It sure does. That's kind I'm pretty of... sure it is because that means that there's at least two Bill and Ted connections in this movie, and I'll point <laughs> the other one out in a little while. Because that was the same rock where where the ro the evil Bill and Ted threw the good evil or yeah, good evil the good, good Bill and Bill Ted off the uh, the rock. If it if it is the same rock, which it looked like it was. There are over four thousand kinds of micro machines. <laughs> <laughs> now, like one of the questions here, what, what were the principal events in the year 1987, which was still in the future when this right. movie came out, which I thought, you know, that's, that's pretty neat. It's just so funny that this Vulcan technology is, is so video gamey, even to the end. It also is in English. It does. It looks if, if he if his right hand had a spinner knob, that mm -hmm. could totally be discs of Tron, dude. <laughs> I feel good. It's so funny because when I was watching this, it's like these guys are starting to show their age, and now I look at it and go, "Look how young he looks." Kirk is so slim. I missed one of my notes, which was I always liked the thing with the Klingon ambassador basically throwing down the gauntlet, saying there shall be no peace so long as Kirk lives. But I always felt like it never really panned out. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess maybe in seven Star Trek six, but still, you or know, six. I mean, yeah, yeah. And there's a part where right after he does that and storms off, there's somebody in the background yells something that I've never been able to figure out what the hell he says. So I'm hoping maybe somebody, because uh, somebody did write in about one of our commentaries that we did, and I said I've never been able to understand a, a line that was thrown out, and somebody actually did write in to tell me what they thought that they said. So I'm hoping somebody does that with this movie as well. Spock's symbol on there looks very much like a Star of David. 
Well, he is Jewish. That's right. Well, that's where he got the live long and prosper. Yeah. Yeah. It was from a Kabbalah nice. ceremony. Yeah. It's nice to see Jane Wyatt as uh, Amanda again, too. I always liked her. I always liked that episode with uh, with his parents on the Enterprise. This is a good transition. There's a lot of really nice scene transitions in this movie. I think this is actually one of the better Star Trek movies for how it transitions back and forth. I'm always surprised when I watch this movie that how much of it does take place in not in in the you know quote unquote present day past. <laughs> I always, I always, when I would remember this movie, would remember it being like 10 minutes and then they were on Earth, you know? Right. And then it pretty much takes, but it takes about a half hour for them to get on to, get on to Earth as, as far as this goes, you know, to set up the whole thing. It moves along pretty good, though. Oh, yeah. I just forgot there was so much of it, of it set in the future. Very much like the Doomsday Machine again. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I also I can't help but point out that there are strong similarities between this and the motion picture. I mean, once oh, again, sure. it's a probe coming to Earth, jeopardizing the planet, and only Kirk and crew can save the day. It's that, that a was what very that, different tone, but that's that's what all the critics. That was the only thing they sort of had against it. They're like, yeah, it's kind of a recycled plot, but it doesn't matter because it gets you into where the characters, you know, get to. You know, where Kirk and Spock, you know, it's a romp where Kirk and Spock get to know each other again. You know, now, do you know Spock... who that guy is? Which guy? Admiral Cartwright? <laughs> ben Cartwright? Yeah. No, he I do not. The, he was the voice of Darth Vader in the Star Wars radio show. Oh. That's Brock Peters. I like him, and I like his character in this, and I've it's never sat well with me what they did with him in Star Trek VI. I liked that movie a lot, but I never liked what they did with Cartwright. I felt like, you know, the whole reason that they had a different Vulcan girl in that one, and they had Valeris instead of using Savick, is that Man, that guy's got some big nostrils, sorry. <laughs> who, the M. Night Shyamalan looking dude there on the screen or which one admiral cartwright cartwright yeah it's like he he's got him fully <laughs> flared you know i come to think of it i think he comes back if i'm not mistaken i think he plays cisco's father on uh on ds9 too if i'm not mistaken i've I seen him in, he's that, done I, a I lot of like tv and, and oh, movie yeah. roles because i've seen him in a bunch of movies but he's another one you can't I can't, like, couldn't name one right off the top of my head, but, you know, I've seen him all over the place. He's just got one of those faces, you know. I like how, I like how the Klingon ships always have a stink mist <laughs> just floating around <laughs> in them. <laughs> as if they're just moist and stinky. They're like a walk-in cooler or something, you know. <laughs> or a sauna. They're either like cold and icy, or or like steamy and it's probably more steamy and sink, stinky. We no longer need you in these movies. Yeah, exactly. You're done. <laughs> but we ha we couldn't just not have you in this one. So goodbye. <laughs> I liked you better when you were Kirstie Alley. 
if the whole thing with her staying behind on Vulcan had panned out a little bit more into the possible storyline that it looked like they were going for with her being pregnant with Spock's child and all, then I would forgive them doing this. But seeing as how that story didn't go anywhere at all, I, I kind of wish she'd stuck around longer, you know? I liked her character. They, uh, she, I mean, they could have had her in, they could have put her in the story. It would have been interesting to have her. Yeah. They could have just had her sitting on the Klingon ship the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She could have been, you know, one extra, you know, one extra player for, you know, the little romp in the 20th century. You know, she could have been, you know. The one who beans everybody aboard while they go yeah. and have fun. Something. Yeah. Have Scotty stay behind with the ship, and and she's the one that goes and helps, you know, get the plexiglass or some I don't know something, you know. Could have done something with her. Yeah, that story unfortunately just never really went anywhere. But you know, they they didn't use her in Star Trek VI as the traitor. Because it was felt like she'd become, you know, a, a recognizable and beloved character in in the mythos and everything. Yet they use Cartwright, and I mean, granted, he didn't get near as much screen time or what, but still, in this, you know, you don't get the feeling that he would be like a a traitor or anything. I don't know. It yeah, just it no. always kind of bugged me. Now I like that little thing that Nimoy does several times in this movie. It, we saw it a little bit earlier in this when the Saratoga was losing power. Inside the ship, you had that that tilty angle, almost like the ship was sinking right there as they were lifting off in the Klingon Bird of Prey. He did that thing on the bridge that gave the sense of a lift off. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I like a that. Movement. It's a nice, yeah. It's a nice little cinematic touch. Well, it's something you don't usually see in Star Trek either. Usually, you get static shots in space. You right. might see space moving outside. Wouldn't they just continue to go straight because of the inertia and all that? Yeah, yeah, it's not like, yeah. It's not like there's any friction. I like the little soccer ball on the light tether there. I just thought that was cool. I don't know what that's, I don't know, is it supposed to be like a brain or? I don't know, this thing thinks it's Moses. It's getting ready to part the Red Sea here. <laughs> you see... I don't, you know, I mean, what an asshole alien species, you know? It's like, hey, you know, we'll show up millennia after you, you're you gone from the planet's surface and then be pissed off because we're late, you know? <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to destroy the planet because you're not here because we took so long to get here. <laughs> I never got the I, I I never sort of understood the whole like you know retribution you know like you know we're gonna blame the humans for even 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 though the humans are responsible for the the whales eventually being wiped out in this storyline. Well, let it's, me ask you do you do you interpret the um, the probe's actions as I'm not getting a response to my message, so I'm going to sterilize the planet. Is that how you're interpreting that? I guess that's what it's it's supposed to be. Because, see, that's doing. how I interpret it as well, which means in a moment here, Spock is dead wrong. 
because there's a great moment where they're talking about, you know, what what could it want and what could, you know, how do they communicate with it and all that. Mm -hmm. And Spock says something to the effect of, I find it illogical that its intentions could be hostile. And I'm thinking, no, dude, it's about to sterilize the whole planet. I think that's the very definition of hostile intentions, you know. If you happen to be one of the <laughs> inhabits the, pla the planet, for sure. <laughs> Several nice exchanges between uh, Kirk and Spock in this one. I like that a lot. You mean McCoy and Spock? Or yeah, did I say Kirk? Yeah, McCoy. Well, they're and a Spock. lot. They're a lot closer now. They're actually arguably like closer than Kirk and Spock are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did we have a character in Battle in Outer Space <laughs> Wars named Kirk and Spock? Kirk and Spock, yeah, it was the Moff Gerard uh, parallel guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, I would say too that this was the last movie that uh, that Kelly really looked good in. After this, he he just looks he looked really too old and frail to be doing these movies. Because like in five, you know, there's that great moment where he's climbing the ladder and he says something about I'm going to have a heart attack, and he looks like it too. <laughs> he just doesn't look like he should be doing that anymore. You know, it's it's one of those like oh, grandpa that might have been know, an just... ad lib on set. You know, for all we yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> now the president there looks like what's his name from that um, Jorel? That, uh, no, that uh, Princess Leia was doing in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> General Dodonna. Yeah. Yes, he does. He, he does. I like that outfit, though. That'd be a good outfit to cosplay as right there. I like that one. You know who he looks like? He looks like a slim version of, um, oh, I can't remember the, the actors. The guy who played Meathead. You know what I mean? Doesn't Rob, he? Rob, Rob, Rob Reiner. Reiner. Doesn't he look like a slim, slim down <laughs> Rob Reiner there? Yes, yes he does. And I like that one alien that was at the control panel there with that thing on his head. He looked like a like a Christmas elf in Starfleet or something. He looked like a Christmas elf getting chemotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite sequences of the whole movie. I think this is really cool, well done. Where Starfleet has to come begging back to Kirk on their hands and knees. No, they, I, the message isn't even for Kirk. They're just saying, you know, we're we're doomed. Stay away. I, it's, it's. I just think it's one of the more powerful moments of what is otherwise a pretty lighthearted movie. Yeah, but to me, that's saying, Kirk, we need you. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk, <laughs> you come know? save us. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> Kirk is going. How convenient. Now that we're in trouble, looks like we're getting our jail out. Of, get our jail free card right now. We should write a Star Trek book about how Kirk was really an evil genius who would, <laughs> who would engineer all these plots to endanger the Earth to get himself out of trouble so he could foil them. So he would fuck things up and then be like, oh, you know, we'll re-engineer one of those planet eaters and have it come and then we'll go get some whales and uh, I can get another <laughs> ship. That? <laughs> I'm trying to think of that. That it sounds like like a Brian Eno record or something. 
<laughs> it's the violin part from She Blinded Me With Science, Captain. Backwards. <laughs> now, I want to know, how does Spock know what whale song sounds like? Spock knows everything about 20th century Earth. What are you talking about? <laughs> Except how to swear. Except when he actually gets to 20th century Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of my minor... It's a minor nitpick, but it's still a nitpick. Is like, you know, how how did nobody stop to think for a moment about Chekhov, you know, going aboard an American aircraft carrier, you know, in the late 20th century that nobody was going to raise an eyebrow about that if he, if he was caught, you know? Right, right. The, I mean, the, come on, these guys, you know, they may be from a couple of hundred years in the future, but... You know, I mean, are they well, that? Chekhov is always, always quoting Russian history, so he must have known when the Cold War was happening, you know. Mm-hmm. But it does good, make for good humorous moments in the movie. It, it does. It's just, it's one of those things that irritates the hell out of me because one moment they know every fucking detail of the, the battle at the OK Corral down to <laughs> dates, times, and the people that happened... But then when they go back to the 20th century, suddenly they're completely ignorant of everything, you know, every historical detail. And it's like, OK, you can't have it both ways, dudes. You know, you're, you're either up on every facet of your history or you're not, you know. Now, you know, not to defeat the entire story, but. Since that thing is sending a message, you would think you would be able to decrypt what it wants to say and then send the, and then send a you know make a I fake think, whale call or whatever. I think that's supposed to be the point though is that it's it's the the universal translator can't figure it out. It, it can't ah. decipher the language. At least that's how I always interpret it. I love those uh, then it ain't very universal then, is it? <laughs> this is true. Well, I like that, though. I like that idea that it's it's such a different mind at work, you know, yeah. that, that it, you know, it, it can't relate because it's not, you know, because you know, up till this point, most everything has been, you know, for the most part, like a humanoid species. So you would imagine they all kind of, on a basic level, they all work the same. Here you've got a completely different kind of life form essentially although they you know they do make a point that you know whales are mammals too so i don't know what do you want man i didn't write the damn story (laughs) (laughs) i want answers damn it (laughs) (laughs) all right i got why not there's lots of other planets dude go to that horror planet See, that's what Kirk really should be doing. It's like, oh, <laughs> we have to go to City Booby Minor. Again, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> it's the only all, place where I can think. They're all in their, you know, they're all in their re- retirement. You know, they're approaching retirement. That, you know, that's the way to go out right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're off the hook from Starfleet because Starfleet just got annihilated by a space probe. <laughs> They might even get a few free sympathy. Um, it's Dr. Chapel. Yeah. Commander. Commander Chapel. There's Rand. Janice Get, Rand. Getting their their, their, the their bones thrown to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Where is the uh, Bill and Ted girl? Must be that scene. There she is. All right, that girl all the way over on the right-hand side of the screen right there? Uh-huh. That's Joan of Arc from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. From the Go-Go's? Bangles or Go-Go? Bangles. Is it Bangles? Yeah, Yeah, that's her. Yep. So she was a Star Trek fan, too, that wheedled her way into the... Something. (laughs) Back people. I love that line. (laughs) Another another nitpick is, how would Scotty know what humpback people were in the future? There probably weren't any humpback people. They probably fixed that shit. But that's a great line. (laughs) Can't we just run a fan out of this goddamn thing and get some of the stink out of the air? (laughs) It's floating everywhere. It's like a fart. They should totally have put up some of those little pine tree dangler things. (laughs) Everywhere, like hundreds of them just hanging everywhere in the Klingon ship. You'd think you'd see, like, the Vulcan Vulcan, um, Shriners in there with, like, Mops and buckets and stuff, just like uh, <laughs> we've used 50 gallons of bleach already. I like this part too. Res, 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 planet of the whores. Res, res, res. <laughs> James C. Kirk. On your own. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got the last laugh now, bitches? (laughs) (laughs) Thought Kirk was a bad guy. (laughs) Kirk Marshall this. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what you get for putting the brace on the wrong window, you dumbasses. Smells like shit where I am, but at least I'm going to be alive. I think that terry cloth robe would be that much cooler if it said Bates Motel somewhere on it. <laughs> His... <laughs> or something. Yeah. I'm glad that Chekhov finally changed out of his pilgrim uniform too. Everybody else has got the same uniforms that they had, or you know, the same clothes that they had in the last movie. Except Chekhov did, thank God, change his clothes because that was the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> that it was. I forgot about that. Some really good sound design in this one too. I notice there's a lot of stereo in this this one. A lot of oh yeah, like, yeah. Really, really pronounced stereo effects in it. I love the 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 creaking and everything. You know the the very metallic sound of the ship. Yeah, Klingon ship's almost like an old pirate ship, more like with the yeah. masts creaking and stuff. It's funny, I'm picturing now, like, underneath the consoles and stuff, there's, like, rotting, like, you know, animal bones and stuff from <laughs> where, you know, the 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 guy, the Klingon who used to run it was just gnawing on lunch and just tossed it under there. Empty, bo- empty styrofoam containers of chicken wings. 
Plus, I think they, they did a, a slight reconfiguration of that bridge to make it a little more Starfleet-like. Because mm. I, I think it was designed a bit differently when uh, when Krug and his crew had it. Because I think the captain's chair actually sat up It didn't seem... Higher. Yeah, like it, it was didn't seem... Every, it seemed like, like it was pump. more pushed in. Yeah. And, and compacted. <laughs> this is just... Yeah. This reminds me of when they went in the wormhole in um in the first movie. Yeah. See I don't think this holds up very now see everything no, in that. No, this is like this every... is like video game like Yeah. Well every piece of audio in this sequence is from later in the movie, which is kind of weird. If you listen to all the pieces of dialogue in that sequence, they're all from later in the picture. I mean, it's not bad, but it's it's a weird little like trippy music video sequence that you're just yeah, like. It's like huh? Leonard, Leonard Nimoy trying to be poetic, I think. The one good thing about this was when that now that they don't have the Enterprise, they could actually land the Klingon ship here. Yeah, it would have been the same if they still had the Enterprise. It would have been. It would have been neat to see the Enterprise like flying over San Francisco as a UFO, like in the original series. Right. But yeah, this they actually get to to land. I was having the most interesting dream, Captain, <laughs> and you were in it. Now, I love that each time they go around the sun, both when they're going back and then when they go back, you know, into the future again, apparently there's no other planets in our solar system because they wind up around, uh, right around Earth both times. And, you know, they pass out both times, too, so apparently the computer does everything all on its own. Good thing. So what do we need all the people on the bridge for? <laughs> I know. Just program the ship to go back and get whales. Exactly. That's still a cool I wonder. I, I I don't think they probably would have been able to track them at this time, where they were. I don't know. I would almost imagine you would have had to have gotten the atmosphere. Maybe even to these this day. I don't know. Again, it's another minor n little nitpick, but if you remember in the last movie. There was that great scene when uh, the Enterprise comes to the Genesis planet. They were actually able to see the distortion from the cloaking device on screen. Remember, that's how they knew that something mm -hmm. was hiding out there just before the ship decloaked. Yet when they go down to the surface of the planet and they, they park in, the, in uh, Golden Gate Park, the ship is completely invisible with, with no, like, distortion or anything i think they should have done some maybe sort of like maybe like a heat shimmer effect or something you know just just a little something like a predator or something like yeah well, maybe yeah. maybe you know sitting perfectly still parked it doesn't distort as much as when it's moving around a little bit in space yeah, or, I'll, I'll buy that i'll buy or that. has a moving background behind it or something it's a good point I just don't, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco, but if you've ever been to Golden Gate Park, the odds of a hundred people not running into 
one of the legs <laughs> of that landing gear of that ship are zero because there's just no big there's big empty spaces but they're not free you know they constantly have bums camped out in them or walk you know just there's no space that just is uh, no humanity there for what days right that's what this movie lacks is a is a bum death scene in it like in city on the edge of forever they should have totally had that happen in had this. some bum sleeping and like got caught in the footprint of the of the <laughs> right when they land and they come down and they just see like a squashed bum and they're just like oh 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 oh, oh. <laughs> well, i hope he wasn't historically significant <laughs> His name was Frank Kirk. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Late in life, he got his shit together and was the president or something. Mm-hmm. But well, not anymore. Now that little uh, recrystallization thing that uh, that Spock talks about that they end up using in this that that process would carry over into next generation. That would eventually be basically why they don't need dilithium crystals anymore after this movie. I mean, they still need them, but they're not, they don't become the, they're no longer the plot device that they, they don't would wear always, out. Yeah. before, yeah, now they don't wear out anymore. Because there's a great moment in uh, the episode where Scotty comes onto Picard's Enterprise, where Scotty opens up the dilithium chamber and he says something about, hey, did you know, you know, your rocks are about to break down or something like that. And Jordy closes it back up and he says, you know, we recrystallize them inside the chamber these days. Well, that process was invented by, yeah, right here by Scotty and Spock. So I thought that was really cool. He says that and there's only one person in uniform. So why didn't you say Uhura? Unless Scotty's listening in too. I know it's a sort of a grim situation or whatever, a serious situation, but I really like I would have I would have had Kirk be a lot more happy to be like uh, like I would have had him almost giddy at the at the opportunity to uh, to walk around in 20th century Earth again, you know, although he does have bad (laughs) associations with Edith Keeler. (laughs) See, it's. I'm sure it's just my reading something into it. I, I've never heard or read anything to bear this out, but I've always kind of had the impression that maybe Shatner wasn't into this one as as much as some of the other movies that that they had done. Because he wasn't directing it. <laughs> well, not so much that. I mean, because he would get his chance next movie and all that. But I don't know. There's there's something about his tone and his. Uh, just his delivery in this movie that just sometimes gives me just that that funny feeling that that he just wasn't as into this one as some of the other ones that they had done. I I always I always attributed it. I think um, Nimoy was dialing him back a little. Could probably dial him back a little bit compared to other directors. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you you know I'll bet you the confabs between Shatner and Nimoy were probably not. They probably were pretty heated, I'm sure. There's always been, like, conflict. But I'll bet you they got a lot more done as far as characters and acting beats and stuff. And right. communication, because they'd worked with each other for so long. And they knew each other's characters so well and each other's person and each other's personalities as real people. That that I, I, I think he just dialed the Shatner back. 
Kirk should totally pull this guy right out of the window and whoop his ass right there in the street. See, it's it's so funny. Here's where you get the '80s with the music and, <laughs> but 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 it's funny because this has become so like trite now. The like, oh now they're in now they're out of water and the music playing and stuff. But it was right. fresh. it was fresh then. This was. This was also a big budget saver, I'm sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just costumes, but it, it's perfect. They're in San Francisco because. They could totally walk around San Francisco looking like that, and nobody would look at you twice. That's a good line, too. They look like a cadet review. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that music didn't go on that much longer. It reminded me of Ghostbusters. Now, what, this guy comes from upstairs. So what was he doing upstairs with Kirk's glasses? Looking him up in his in his book. Excuse me, aren't you Orville Redenbacher? <laughs> it's lucky they went to an antique shop and not a pawn shop. That's yeah. Now. Watch Shatner handle this money after this. For people who don't know anything about money, watch him fold this shit up and oh, put it in yeah, his pocket. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. It's funny. I was. He, I was noticing that yesterday when I watched this. He 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 knows don't how to. Don't look at the camera. He he handles that. He handles that money really well. Rup, 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 and right into his right into his pocket like he's been yep. doing it all his life, which he has. <laughs> <laughs> Now here we're gonna see a theme in this movie where everything, uh, where their, all their problems always get solved by convenient signs. Yep. <laughs> and I can tell you from daily, harsh, practical experience that tourists do not read signs, dude. They can be giant ones like the one that he just had, you know, literally drive right up to him, tourists. They're not Do used not to that. Read <laughs> they're not used to the advertising in the future, so maybe oh, they're paying more true. attention. See, this and and like one scene later, we have no, the that same. That can't be because they got Brondo everywhere in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Kurt craves. <laughs> I love these two fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go hang out with aging Star Trek actors? You think you're so cool. Let your fingers do the walking. Hey, that's what the captain says all the time. <laughs> I'm not really a cop. I'm just here with the uh with the village people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I gotta I'm be honest, a, I never I, like this scene. No, it's because it's supposed to be funny, and it just comes off as like really kind of stupid. Hey, there's no cop who would just sit there staring at you silently. Well, maybe a big city cop would do that, but you know, he's just like, yeah, he's being an asshole. Unless, like, maybe maybe he's, like, the, the token deaf cop on the force or something. You know, he's he's filling that quota. So he's, like, trying to read Chekhov's lips and just, I don't know. 
Now, the guy that's actually singing the song is the same guy that's holding the boombox right there. That's Kirk Thatcher. He's actually related somehow to Maggie Thatcher, but I forget how. It's either her son or her grandson, I forget. What I like is this is one of those scenes of, like, you know, old-fashioned values being, being um, um, you know, held up over, over youthful assholery. <laughs> and it's funny that it takes people from the future to bring the like to be like, yes, politeness. <laughs> it's funny. I just noticed somebody in the background's reading Omni. Not long before this, yes. Star Trek Three would have been on the cover of Omni. It's and it's also funny that people weren't freaking out and like, did he just kill that guy? Is that guy alive? <laughs> you he know, just broke no, his neck. No, it's like, yay! <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> just as long as the music stops. But I've ridden the bus on San Francisco, and that is definitely <laughs> it was very much like this. When the hell were you in San Francisco? I was in San Francisco. I got to visit San Francisco twice. Well, you remember Jeanette from high school. She lived out there for oh, many, right. many yeah. years. And a couple times, um, Johnny Bueno from the funny, funny book Underbelly. He he got flown all the way all over the place for his job, and he would get frequent flyer miles, and he would just be like, you know, whenever he would go to San Francisco, the West Coast, he would be like, you want to go to San Francisco? Because he knew I could go and visit Jeanette, and he could go visit his friends out there. So I got two two trips to San Francisco. It's an awesome city. Now this woman here that plays Jillian. She went on to be on that show, um, Seventh Heaven, and the guy that played her husband on that show was Decker from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that cool? She's very 80s. She's Yeah, she she's is. very like the that that was that weird 80s style of like the pretty but modest girl. Who is kind of hot, but you know she's not always... too modest because she's got some some weird thing going on with her outfit there. Because there's times where it looks like she's not wearing a bra. She might not be, but she might not be. I don't it know. It was always a like floppy floppy sweater with a you know it was a kind of a librarian-y look, you know. And well, she got in the... shoulder pads too. Yeah, and the shoulder pads and the in the the spiral perm. <laughs> She reminds me. Do you remember my Aunt Joanne? Yeah. She reminds me a lot of my Aunt Joanne. And now <laughs> we have Goober. That looks like Charles Petty behind Spock. Mouth breathing behind Spock <laughs> with his fly catcher open. And there's Mr. Miyagi behind Kirk. He's mouth breathing too. I mean, it's like too. 95 degrees outside, and that guy's wearing a cardigan sweater. <laughs> And this is this is where they get to get like social like obvious social commentary and exposition out of the way at the same time. Mm, mm. All I know is I want some <laughs> cocktail sauce right about now. <laughs> I was gonna say, what we're seeing on the screen of those whale slaughters is probably what the inside of that Klingon ship smells like. <laughs> I just love it if Kirk said, You know, you got a food court around here somewhere? <laughs> Kirk is already focused on her. Kirk is already like, hot damn, I knew it. The pretty girl is always integral to the plot. 
What's funny is I don't remember much of the novel. I, I have read the novel, but I, of course, you know, I, I read the novel when the movie was was brand new in the theaters and all, so I don't remember much of it. But one detail I do remember was uh, he does uh, put the lips to her in the book, which never happens in the movie. They they kind of have a, you know, they have a little bit of a of an interest there in the movie, but it never really develops at all. Whereas in the book, it, it developed a little bit stronger than it does in the actual movie. It's just so funny. I always, whenever you see, like, your movie characters in situations like this, I always feel like it reminds me of, like, the Brady Bunch go to Hawaii, you know, where all of a sudden it's, it's you know, it's got that weird, almost like they're full, on vacation feel. Full to house it. at Walt Disney World. Yeah, yes, no, exactly. Exactly. It's like. I just love watching the background. All these weird, you know, they almost have like a stereotypical uh, the, well, tour, you know, tourist crowd. You know, you got the couple of military guys, you got the couple of nuns. And so there's always a couple of nuns. I never see nuns on tours, but, you know, military guys make sense in San Francisco because there's a base there. Right, right. But, the, but yeah, they always throw, throw nuns. There's always hey, it's a Michael couple Moore. nuns. It's never even one nun at a time, too. It's always two or three nuns because they, they travel in. This is our this is our blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we pretend there's a whale floating around. Spot goes for a dive in his t-shirt and tidy whities Now, do you, was that a stunt man? That... I don't know. Right there, that's really Spock. That's really or, him, really neat yeah. boy, But I, you know, whether that was him swimming down or not, I don't know. There's even a redneck in the background. <laughs> Wilford Brimley. What the right? hell? Right in front of a nun. I love that. <laughs> Do you have a bathroom? I gotta take my diabetes medication. <laughs> <laughs> How do them whales taste in oatmeal, by the way? And here's another here's another of Kirk doing Shatner doing Kirk doing bad acting. <laughs> what are, where he's yelling at Spock. You heard the lady. It's time to play a game of Lisbon. <laughs> that woman in the background's going, "Hey, that's William Shatner." I think that uh, in the background, I think the guy she's talking to is the amazing Randy. <laughs> I'm having more fun. Don't see look it. at the camera. <laughs> exactly. That's the first thing he did was like, "Don't look at the camera." <laughs> it's Stan Lee, I think, actually. <laughs> He looks like uh, Reba from that that shitty deaf episode that we watched there. Of Next oh God! <laughs> this is the same thing from the same stretch from um, time after time. Oh yeah, this this is Malcolm McDowell. There's it's so funny because in New York City there's another stretch by I believe the George Washington Bridge because. Mm -hmm. There's like stretches that are perfect to set up a camera for right. and are zoned for that so and are perf and like are picturesque so the background doesn't capture anything but neat stuff like this. 
Right. But and I just think that's cool that that's the same stretch from, I mean, the exact same stretch from that movie. And of course, Malcolm McDowell was, was H.G. Wells in that. And he plays Soren who kills Kirk in Generations. So it all, it's all very cyclical. You know I'm what try, I mean? I'm trying to think of what, there was a Hitchcock movie that was filmed right there too. Oh, and, um, and then Vertigo? I don't know was if it was Vertigo? Vertigo or North by Northwest had a scene there. And then, of course, High Anxiety, Mel Brooks' parody of it, had a scene shot right in the exact same. I think that's Vertigo. <laughs> now, I, 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 I totally pictured this guy to come up behind her and do the creepy, like, let me give you a shoulder massage type of, type of thing. This poor guy is only on screen for a total of maybe a minute and a half. Only has a few lines, and <laughs> he's such a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I love the moment where he gets slapped later on. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to know, what are they doing walking along the beach here in this scene? I mean, they're down there with all the slime and the muck. Because they wanted to get this shot here. Yeah, exactly. Angle. Yep. And how can he tell it's the Enterprise from that far away? That was a nice touch, I thought. It isn't. It is. Yeah, it really is. And it actually isn't the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> the Enterprise was actually on. Uh, it was. I'm trying to remember. I, I've read this somewhere. I can't remember where it was at the time, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't in, San in an Francisco American. Though. Yeah, it wasn't in San Francisco at the time. But still, it isn't. You're right. It is. That was a really nice touch. <laughs> I just hear that eagle song. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford, slowing down <laughs> to take a look at me. <laughs> It's funny how how much cars have changed since '86. Mustang, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. Those were old cars, that, but yeah, there's actually there's a lot of old. There were when I was in San Francisco, there were a lot of people driving around old nice cars too, because I noticed that because a lot of these cars are are not, are like '70s and '60s models that you were seeing yeah. tooling around in the background. <laughs> Did you I just check it. out his butt? She just checked out his butt. At least you didn't look at it. Of course, he put Spock in the middle. What are you <laughs> thinking, Kirk? <laughs> you should put him in the back. <laughs> I love that look. What the hell is she talking about? <laughs> tire iron, Captain? I've never heard of tire iron, although I've heard of every other thing in the 20th century. <laughs> Now, now Spock really looks like Charles Petty from high school without the pointy ears, <laughs> and because he's a little like still a little like out of it, it makes gives him a little more. I hope Charles Petty isn't listening to this. Going, I hate those guys. <laughs> I hope he is listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope he is too. See, that's a stress, uh, you know, that's a stressed story point that it's like, if we let them go, there's a chance that they'll get, they'll get killed. And 
not only that, but they, you know, the the stock footage Japanese whaler is like waiting. It's just circling out there right now going, I know they're going to let those whales loose sometime. We want the whales in captivity. There's plenty of other whales swimming around in the sea, but let's wait for those two from, you know, Marine World to... <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, that's probably the only time you ever heard shit. I think he should have hit a... his head on the dash. Like in Starman, when she thump, jams on the brakes, <laughs> and he smashes his head on the dash. I think Spock should have smacked his head on the dash. It's, it's really weird to think that's the only time they ever said shit in Star Trek. I never would have. Up, up till now. Up till now and up till ever after this. No. There's, when was... uh, when they're when after oh, the uh, right. Enterprise D blows up, and There's the way an, oh shit, off, yeah, Data sees the planet racing up at them and goes oh shit. That's right. I want to say there's one more, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But that that may be the last one. I I, I really can't remember. Look at that Kirk face. Come on, come on, dinner. Oh, he's turning on the Kirk. Yeah, big time. Yeah. See? <laughs> they were a comedy team then. They were a good comedy oh, yeah. team. Plexicorp. A subsidiary of Lexicorp. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. This guy always looks so familiar to me, like I should know him from some other movie, but I. Yeah, I think. I think add 200 pounds and he's the guy from Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. Newman, yeah. right? That's <laughs> yeah, what I always I always thought it was Newman before he packed on the pounds. But he's too old to actually be that yeah. actor. He does look a lot like him though. He sounds like him too. He's got the same sort of voice and manner of speaking as him. I've always liked this part a lot right here, but as I was watching this yesterday, it, it, it I got very melancholic watching this scene because you know these of of all of the original crew guys, these were the two guys that I actually got to meet, and they're both gone. And both gone. Yeah, it just it really depressed me. I was like, man, you know, I really miss these guys. You know, I like that this guy's so got an "I quit smoking" pin on. Just as a nice little touch. Yep. <laughs> I love how Scotty's loving this. Oh yeah, know, like. Everybody gets to everybody gets to indulge there. Now here you see Sulu. He always he he seems to group scenes of all of them doing similar things together in this movie. Although, you know, somebody just some unannounced person you were in the military and if they just hopped into your helicopter like, "Let me ask you a few questions about this." You know, you'd probably be suspicious. We have 500 people here, all, all washing it, aluminum. All I'm going to say is it's, it is San Francisco, dude, so, you know. We have the cleanest aluminum in our plant. <laughs> You're just going to let that one slide right past, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. <laughs> Sulu goes back to the 23rd century and leaves behind a pregnant black man. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a joke? 
You have a train going 60 miles an hour west and a train going 60 miles an hour. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds like he's. he's I would have been path. like, "You're the fucking genius engineer. You tell me." I don't <laughs> know. Do I just me? make plastic? Okay. <laughs> don't ask me these questions. We we make the plastic and then we wash the plastic. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Is that pizza here? I got two hundred pounds to put on before I get cast in. Before Jurassic the Park. next movie. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Is that this was the last movie that uh, that Jimmy Doohan looked really uh, really good because he's still slightly svelte in this one, whereas he doesn't have to be svelte like Kirk and stuff. So he could have packed him up, but yeah, he does pork up a lot after this. Yeah. They all do. Kirk does too. Oh yeah, they all do. But I mean, the, the very next movie, I mean, he's seriously packed on some pounds. Look, Look at, at that, that old thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And as primitive as that looks, that was way advanced of computer technology at that time. Because this mm -hmm. little animation sequence right here, computers at that time couldn't do that. Yeah, that's what I was always like, hey, he improved the computer somehow. Yep. Yeah, a computer could do that, but it would take him six months to render it. Yep. Yep, it's wild to think that that, you know... That was that was advanced at that time. At the yes. time this movie came out. I always like that little bit because it doesn't serve any purpose other than to make it a little bit more realistic scene. Yeah, it just it just is a little. It just it adds a brush stroke to how how he's how blown away he is at it you know that right like, that like he snaps at his at his secretary and i like it you know mccoy was was just sitting over the guy's shoulders smiling and loving the whole moment but now he's <laughs> like are you sure you want to do this and it's like well we're doing it already so why are you pulling me aside to ask me you know right but it's just a but once again it's just a nice star trek moment I have another complaint coming up here. Slight, slight complaint. See, he would know that that mm -hmm. phrase. The come on. <laughs> See another ET line. <laughs> Only it's not Spock's finger that lights it. <laughs> basically, basically, Kirk and Spock are like roommates, and Spock came home, and the tie was on the door, so he knows he's supposed to leave him alone. Why? Really, she doesn't look in the rearview mirror and go, "What the fuck was that? Where the fuck did he go? <laughs> what the fuck was your friend just disappeared and blah blah." blah. <laughs> you know. What the hell is wrong with their waiter's head? He looks like. <laughs> He looks like that guy. Remember Mac tonight from the from the McDonald's ads? Come on, make it Mac tonight. <laughs> oh, look, Earth breadsticks. <laughs> Those cuffs on Kirk's uniform and the way he's. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, I like how that shirt goes from white to pink, white to pink, all yeah. through the movie, too. There's some bad color correction going on there. That's all that is, yeah. Now, I think this was one of the first places I ever heard the concept that they didn't have money in the future. Right. Was, was in this movie. I think this may be the first time that Kirk ever nailed down his birthplace, too, because he says he's from Iowa. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I think that was the first time it was definitively you know, stated. Well, I remember in some of those old Whitman comics and stuff, they would have, like, you know, Kirk, you know, personality profile and stuff like that. Right, Oh, yeah. come on, with the beer, Kirk, you slug down sorry and brandy like it was your job and he's like going this beer come on what about your whales <laughs> I was just thinking about your whales can you say humpback a couple more times please I like how you say humpback <laughs> so you see that that as they say is that. Oh. If there's one thing I can't stand it's Dame's crying. I don't want to see no broad cry. <laughs> I think this is the first time I ever heard of a pocket pager too. <laughs> I'm a crack dealer. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, she should be flipped out by that because that technology did not exist in 1986. Exactly. Pagers, yes. Cell phones, no. She probably Before I take you some out back and beat it out of here. <laughs> Just the look on his face when he says that, it, it just it always looks slightly threatening to me. Like, why don't you tell me when those whales are leaving before I just beat it out of you? <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I don't, I don't think Kirk is the kind of guy who beats it out of women, if you know what I mean, but he'll get it out of her. <laughs> he'll get it out of her one way or the other. Jesus Christ, are you milking that beer enough, Kirk? It's like had taking it down like a centimeter. See that little that little swirl of his glass there just ma made him seem like he was making it up. Like Fizzbin right. or something. Right. Except if it's Thursday, in which case I don't need humpback whales. I need <laughs> sea turtles. And then he sh gives her a chop on the shoulder and runs out. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> That was the fastest pizza in the world. <laughs> he looks like Fred Willard, that that actor Fred Willard. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> it's 
nice puppy. Maybe I got a milk bone. We've, who's, what's it smelling for? We've taught him to sniff out ruskies. <laughs> it's like, what do you have a dog? What, what, what are you patrolling with a dog for? Is it like, there's people on the ship. It's not like the dog's like, there were people walking here. Yeah, no shit. There's people walking everywhere. You know what's, you know, there's nobody like smuggling. Well, I would assume not that there's nobody smuggling pot or anything like that. You know, so what's a what's a dog smelling for? Although I'm pretty sure that's a real the real door to the nuclear reactor. I had a friend who served on a nuclear sub. That must have been pretty neat. Nuclear sub. Not for me, man. I could do it. You just can't think about it too much. <laughs> can't think of the cold, dead sea all around you. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just watching a documentary about the uh, the scorpion not long ago, and it was like, hell no. Uh-uh. That in the beginning of the, uh, of the abyss, just, ugh. There's no way I could go down in a submarine. Uh-uh. I ain't getting to no submarine, fool. <laughs> Turn on the Kirk. There he goes. <laughs> Let those shoulders go down a little bit. Put those eyebrows up. You're taking my pizza, you asshole! <laughs> Look at me like that. He's mellowed a lot over time. Yes, he has. There was a time where he'd just kiss, kiss her and punch her in the head to get what he wanted. I miss the old Kirk. His hair is definitely taking a lot. What the fuck was that again? <laughs> Jesus, wait till she turns the corner before you beam up. For Christ's sake. Yeah, no sakes. kidding. Just so you know, she has an I Loves Whales. I yeah, Loves no, Whales. <laughs> I like how McCoy is just, I'll just watch. He's supervising. Yeah. Well, Scotty does have a bit of a paunch on him now that he's got his jacket off. I can see it. He's got a little it. pot belly there, but yeah, he's not as rotund as he, he does get. He gets beach bally. Hey, hey, back to work. We're on a tight <laughs> schedule here. You got Doc Brown glasses on. <laughs> Side note, one of my roommate's ex-boyfriends is playing Doc Brown in Universal Studios. On the, oh, really? On the, yeah, Back to the Future ride. Which, uh, which, which Universal? The, the one on the West Coast or the East Coast? East Coast. Ah, cool. And he's got to be Doc Brown probably eight hours a day. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, aren't these the same three guys from Close Encounters? <laughs> hey, isn't that Major all... Dad? Yes, 
<laughs> I think these they are look... all actual uh, crew members from whichever ship that is. That guy looked like Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, he did a little bit. Scotty, our Merlin is full. Don't beam us up. <laughs> Dude's got a lot of campaign ribbons. Yeah, he does. I like his little monorail pilot pin there, too. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are they staring at? It's just a circle with a line going around. That's because I'm whispering, you idiot. Yeah, that's a good plan. Do your fan dance. <laughs> Distract them. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how this would have played out differently if it had been her that had stayed behind, though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She could have probably talked her way out of it. Although being in a weird uniform is weird. But then being in this weird leather outfit, too, is he's more in, like, rock star. <laughs> he's more dressed like Davy Jones from the He should have totally, yes, that's how he should have tried to talk his way out of it, is that he was uh, Davy Jones there on a USO tour or something. Yeah. <laughs> I got lost. God damn it. This dude looks familiar too, but I can never place him either. All right, Commander. He looks like that guy from the Brat Pack actors. Yeah. But I don't think it is him. And this is right out of um, what was it? Return to Yesterday? Or what was? Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. You're right. Um. What is it? Tomorrow was yesterday. Tomorrow is that the name was yesterday, of that maybe. Yeah. Yeah, with Captain Christopher. Yeah, this is totally yeah. right out of this. See with. Yeah, he looks ex very familiar. I just can't place who he. <gasps> he said retard. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it at him. Throw it at his head. Bounce it off his face like Kirk would do. And I don't like that sound effect. It's, it's too cartoony. Hit him in the head with it. Here, here's a futuristic implement to screw up the time <laughs> yes, continuum. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Why didn't we win the Cold War right after that? Because we had phasers. <laughs> Or whatever. I, I, it's that wasn't a phaser. That was a Klingon weapon, wasn't it? Um, geez, you know, I don't know. I would assume that that was. Did Klingons Federation. have disruptors, or was that Romulans? Disruptors. No, yeah, they both did. They both they both called their weapons disruptors. He's kind of a weird runner. If this was a modern movie, pretty soon we would have... Right here would be the rip record rip. Where it's like, where the music goes from, ha, 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 we're having fun, ha, ha, oh, he broke his back. Oh. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like the music in that part. It's too cartoony. 
<laughs> it's like those videos where the kids are watching their friends skateboard and they're all going, ha 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 ha, oh no. Right in front of a truck. <laughs> Spock's playing video games. He looks like he's wearing Aquaman's belt. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's kind of like that little conch shell thing on it. You'd think he'd be catching his sleeves on everything with those <laughs> You notice this movie has a theme with people hosing things down? Yeah, they cut that scene out with Kirk. Yeah, that's that's part of the porno tape, but I'm just talking about in general. There's a lot of people just like in the background hosing off things at the... <laughs> aquarium at the aluminum plant outside here. I guess this is at the aquarium too. Oh, surprise! They had a two for one sale. See, there's just no way this would have happened in reality. She should totally knee him in the balls right here. Oh, what? Oh, dear. He should have slapped her back. Yep, you're right, no bra. <laughs> Will you stop that Stupid goddamn truck. hosing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can really tell here in a minute. When she when she gets to uh, the park and she's trying to find Kirk, there's, there's a couple of moments there where I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I wondered if this scene right here was... Uh, it almost looks like maybe they had dubbed in that piece of plexiglass because that looks like it's right out of the beginning of uh, the Towering Inferno. Or maybe it was purposely done like to mirror that shot because the oh, Towering maybe. Inferno opens with a helicopter flying through San Francisco like that. Or at least I think it's San Francisco. I like that there's no jet scrambling. For the, <laughs> he just... He, they, they, they can find Chekhov wandering around, yet they don't notice a guy taking off a helicopter. Well, I which... think the implication is that he made buddies with the with the pilot dude, and now the pilot dude's letting him use the helicopter. But I right. that's a little bit of a stretch. Here. Right. Oh, there you, you, would, go. You, you wouldn't get in any trouble for that in the military. <laughs> I just let my new buddy borrow the helicopter. It'll be all right. He's going to fly over the city. See, that little scene should be taking place about 800 times a day. There's just no part of Golden Gate part. Look at that. There's no people around. In broad daylight? <laughs> no way. Well, maybe they used to police it back then. You know, Maybe they used to run the bums off or something. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no. That, that, that wasn't until here. the 90s. And, and like yeah, the the bums had the the I mean Golden Gate Park was a freak show on, on all levels, you know. From the leftover '60s hippies to the bums to the punks and just <laughs> general, you know, regular people too. Of but it was. <laughs> I like that. I think that's what most people would do if they had no idea that they were getting beamed. <laughs> right. Although I have to say, she's she's not the greatest actress in the world. No, no, she's not. She's not I like bad, the moment where she has to actually be like pulled off the pad, though. I thought it was a it was a nice little little touch. 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, how disconcerting would it be if we all of a sudden be inside? Damn, I get to swear more in this. Sh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she should be shocked at this point. <laughs> I just wonder how screwed up she's going to be trying to assimilate to the future later on because all of her first impressions are false ones, you know? Mm -hmm. This is a Klingon ship. You know, it's nothing like what, what Kirk and crew are normally in. You know, her first impression of Vulcans, who are, you know, arguably the smartest race known, <laughs> is that they're a bunch of ditzy, you know, potheads. casualties, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that the future smells like rotten meat and and body odor. <laughs> He's so young. Nimoy's so young looking now compared to. <laughs> I know. I guess what was is... funny is at the time everybody was like, "Man, they're looking really old." But I yeah, you know, watch these now, now and they look them. like they're really young. See, I think these these parts were like almost what this movie was made for. I think this is what the script was. They almost wanted this sort of stuff, right? Uh, so you can just get these typical awesome McCoy mo moments like this. <laughs> I love that dialysis. It's. <laughs> I love it. The first thing she does, right in her mouth. Excuse me, aren't you T.J. Hooker? <laughs> T.J. Hooker was set in San Francisco too, wasn't it? I'm not sure. All I know is that those cops that uh, we're going to see here in just a minute, every time I see them, they remind me of T.J. Hooker. I almost expect that, that they're like actual cops from that show or something, you know what I mean? I've never seen an episode of T.J. Hooker. I watched one. I watched the one where Nimoy was on there, and it was uh, it was all right. I just you know I hate to say it, but you know in my own mind I typecast Shatner too. You know he's Captain Kirk. I mean I'm sorry, but I just I don't buy him as anything else. Well now I want to watch it because I can I can I can be like you know it's Shatner, but it, when T.J. Hooker was out, I would not have been able. To, I I refused to watch it because of exactly that. I did not want to see, you know. I was, thought it was just the idea of it was just ridiculous. He sounds like Frank Oz. Yeah, he does. He even looks a little like him. Yeah. This examination isn't very fundoscopic. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to, like, just punch him in the face. <laughs> See, this is why I love this movie, is it's... They're finally getting to have fun. They haven't had any fun 
up till now in any of the movies, it's been like they've all been sober affairs. That's it, huh? That's that's the only phaser. That's it. Well, you know, that's kind of amazing, actually. Hey, remember when Spock lost his brain? Uh, <laughs> be great if this guy got up and started walking around with him, like in that episode. <laughs> he yeah. should. He should have his little, his little Atari joystick control, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> running around. That would have been awesome. What is that thing? I don't know, but it's pretty, pretty handy. I want one of those. <laughs> now there's a line after that in both the novel and the comic adaptation where Jillian says don't you guys have any enlisted types which I always thought was funny and I wonder if that was filmed and then just not used or something but I always thought that was a funny little line I just think you know maybe Chekhov is a little retarded because he did have a <laughs> brain bug and eaten eaten into his brain. <laughs> oh, listen to this fun music! Fun music! Yeah, somebody's probably gonna oh. somebody's probably gonna tumble off a cliff here, though. I don't like Whoa. this at all. It's too goofy. Yeah, it's the the horns. The horns make it just it too silly. <laughs> that woman just got clipped. Did you see that? <laughs> I never noticed that before. She totally got clipped by the by the wheelchair. That was hysterical. <laughs> Get out of the way. It's the Star Trek Circus. <laughs> a bad cut right there because they didn't show that the elevator was actually empty why wasn't there a gurney in the elevator and they left it out he left it outside uh, i did see that because he kind of shoved it down the hall to like give him another obstacle to have to pass before they it's always poor check off that these things happen to you know he gets the he gets the ear bug he gets fried well, you know, I think the they and all backfires on him and all that. I, I I wonder if they I I you know I I I seem to think they did that on purpose as a running gag, sort of like C three PO always getting dismembered. That was a really stupid thing to do. Now see, they should beam into the ship with like two heads. I was just gonna say, with their bodies melded together, going. <laughs> Kirk feeling himself up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kirk going. I've always wanted breasts, but not like this. <laughs> I was trying to get inside you, but I didn't want it to be this way. <laughs> yeah, nice. I thought jogging, hugs, dude. Yeah, I thought jogging was good for your health, huh, sucker? <laughs> it's God showing his wrath for those shorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that though, because that's what I would be like too. I'd be just like, holy! Look at her; she's just like, holy shit! I love See, it. See, there's that raising effect again. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that's nicely done. It's almost like you're on at at sea, you know. Yeah. Wing 
All right, how nitpicky am I going to be? But full impulse power is just a hair under light speed. So why the hell does it take them so long to get from <laughs> San Francisco to Alaska? San Francisco to Alaska should just be a a blink of an eye for... Yep. Although I guess you could argue that maybe full impulse power on a Klingon ship is way different or it's something. Different, still, yeah. You know. Yeah, because that that doesn't appear even just under the speed of light. You would just it would almost be instantaneous. Well, there's a there's another gaff like that in I think it's in Star Trek Three, where they're in the space dock and there, I, I forget exactly. Somebody pointed it out to me once. Where there was a big goof about you know distance and speed and everything like that, and I, my my pet theory is that every once in a while one of these commanders will throw a totally just ridiculous order like that, and guys like say Sulu or Chekhov are smart enough to go, yeah, whatever. What the hell he's talking yeah. about, and just do it, you know, do the proper thing, you know, do, do the proper thing and pretend they're doing it. What he yeah. says, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Captain, we're going warp eight. <laughs> warp eight, aye aye, sir. Or her is trying not to wreck her manicure. <laughs> she looks pretty good in this movie too. I'm not really crazy about the perm look, but those animated whales. That's it. I hope there's no stock footage after him. <laughs> Put that on screen. Oh my god, it's stock footage from that Godzilla movie. These should totally be Japanese fishermen from that South Park episode. I, I, you see, I see, again, full power descent. I mean, come on. How fast would that be? Uh, I, I nitpicked you too see, much. I think at this time there were that we didn't have America wasn't whaling at all at this time, were we? We haven't been whaling and these aren't Americans. Oh, okay, you're right. These what are... am I thinking? They've all got foreigner hats on. Yeah. <laughs> the one guy's got like like Chico from the from the Marx Brothers. I don't know what these guys are supposed to be. I, I don't know. I guess Russians? I don't know. They didn't. That's what I was thinking, but it didn't sound like Russian. Maybe Greek? I don't know. I don't know. I always thought like Norwegian or something. I, I really don't know. What's what's close to Alaska? Russia. Yeah. I know. I wonder if those are the robot whales in this part here. I don't know. I was just wondering that myself because uh, they look pretty. They look pretty realistic, you know. And yeah. See now he's got the camera tipped down like that's actually a pretty cool effect. Yeah, it's a movie, you know. You don't it it it. it <laughs> Why didn't they just like photon that boat? Yeah, exactly. Or, or, oh, pardon me, put it in a tractor beam and yank it backwards or turn it around the other way enough. 
That was a cool effect. Holy shit! It would have been funnier if they were in the Bermuda Triangle. See, they don't act terribly scared is the only thing, though. I think, you know, I mean, they're startled, but they don't act like they're scared out of their minds. Like, I think real people would be, you know? Scared out of your mind and, like, mind blown. They're just like, uh-oh, better get out of here. There's a UFO. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they've sailed the... the maybe they've met a few U aquatic UFOs in the past, <laughs> and they're just like, not another one. This one just smells funny. See, again, what? I love the sound effects in this part. The creaking and groaning of the ship. That's actually pretty cool. I would think a real spaceship might actually do that. Especially, like, in the atmosphere. Right. I like Jimmy doing it in this part. That I always like that part. Although those whales don't look like they have much room to swim around and move. They're whales, dude. All they need is to f float and breathe. I guess. What do they need room for? Um, I'm pretty sure you can't go to warp speed inside an atmosphere unless you want to kill everybody on the friggin' planet. Just saying. Oh, sorry. We ignited the atmosphere on Earth. Well, I guess we don't really have to worry about taking the whales back now. <laughs> oh, planet shit, now of the hookers it is. <laughs> now we got a paradox, damn it. No paradox. There's no paradox in planet of the hookers. Come on. <laughs> McCoy, I know you're down. <laughs> Straight to Kirk's quarters. Yeah. Let me show you to your room. <laughs> Let me show you. These Klingons, they have these pleasure dungeons. You want to check one out? <laughs> Could you imagine how much fun you would have and how actually kind of creepy it would be to, like, go through the Klingons' quarters and see what kind of stuff was in the crew's quarters? <laughs> severed arms and stuff like that. I'll tell you what contains the hottest blood of all. <laughs> I was I always wondered with this movie if they intended for her to maybe become a recurring character or if she was just going to become like a Carol Marcus James Bond girlfriend, you know. Yeah, she's just the Bond girl of the picture. I mean, I'm sure she's turned up in books and comics subsequent to this movie uh, i'll come back to that yeah well after, uh, after know, the show i would have asked if she had but i just assumed that she had because no character <laughs> yeah nobody goes untapped yeah exactly you know and i mean she she's had you know no character with more than like two lines ever doesn't get rehashed or have their father show up or so at some time or their son or or whatever that's us crashing into the sun. Don't worry about it. Let's go to your quarters. Now, does that control panel that Scotty's using, does it seem terribly flimsy to you? I know. It's just sort of wobbling all over the place. Um, shouldn't they be way away from Earth by now? And this was another minor complaint about the movie is, from this point on, everything's a formality, you know? There's, there's no real tension from this point on because you know basically it's like, okay, they got to get back to Earth. 
you know they're not going to blow up right now, you know? So it's like... Yeah, as good as the 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 slingshot back effect was, or you know, scene was this this one going back the other way. I I always felt lacked a certain amount of tension to it. Well, it's because it's it's because from this point on, the movie is is uh, just sort of a wind up. You got to put the whales in their place so they can uh, right, so they can uh, talk to their their spaceship and and get Kirk out of trouble and find out what, you know, the aftermath of that's going to be. Although I do like the way the sun looks. Chekhov's ass is totally hanging out of the back of that hospital robe. (laughs) This seat feels good. (laughs) It's not like the seat doesn't already smell like ass. The probe. <laughs> they save the planet, get out of the ship, everybody's apes. Usually with an alien probe, it's a different sort of scene in a movie. <laughs> ah, my ass! <laughs> Cheesy. Oh, yeah, it's making a, it was making like a World War Two uh, yeah. <laughs> bomber. It should be going... Sound. It should be going... <laughs> 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 Nostrils fully flared. It's the end of the world. We're all How getting wet. How can he see that from there? <laughs> Especially through that. And yeah, all I know, the rain. It's a, a pea soup fog. And you go, they're headed for the bridge. It's like, no, dude. That's a pretty cool effect, though. Yeah. It is incredibly convenient that there just happens to be that escape hatch right there in the uh, the bulkhead. Right there. Well, maybe there's more than one. Oh, that, oh I was looking at that earlier thinking it was just like a porthole. <laughs> I'm almost positive that this is the only time Kirk ever gives the order to abandon ship. Didn't they have to abandon... Did he give the order to abandon ship in Star Trek 3? I mean, yeah. obviously, they had to abandon they all, the they ship. They all just left, but he never actually said abandon ship. I mean, this is this... I mean, they, they have had to, you know, leave the ship before for different reasons, but that's the only time he ever actually gave the order to abandon ship. The whole alien probe and the noise it makes is very next generation-y to me. Yeah. Well, some of these scenes, like right here, these corridors and stuff, I can't, you know, with like the dangling, you know, wires and stuff, I can't help but wonder if some of these were recycled. Because some of these look an awful lot like first season uh, next-gen sets and stuff. Because that was another, you know, that was another big thing that came out of this movie was you know the the success of this movie is what led to next gen yeah i mean this was such a big big hit this made so much more money than the ones before it it was really a big thing people just suddenly wanted more star trek and of course you know these guys they were too old and and too expensive to ever return to episodic television you know so that's 
not long after that is when uh, when TNG got greenlit. So yeah, I mean, this movie was very influential. It's funny in the um, in me doing some research to do the picture for this show and looking at the movie posters. I saw a movie poster for this that I'd forgotten all about. I haven't seen it since the '80s, and it was just it was like a painted, but but fairly realistic painting of Kirk and Spock standing on the street in San Francisco with like I believe like a punk rocker on one side of him and a cop on the other and like behind him is sort of like this rainbow and it's like you know on a world that they didn't and it's sort of like this goofy comedy poster you know it's there's nothing hmm, I don't know if I've ever seen that one there's nothing I, I I got a copy of it so I'll send you a copy of it but it's there's nothing very science fiction-y about it, you know? It's like, here's the characters of Kirk and Spock, you know? <clears throat> I used to collect Star Trek movie posters up to a certain point, up up until uh, Generations, really. And I had a couple of different ones for Star Trek Four, and the one that I always liked was the one that was very... If I remember properly, I think it was very red. And it said something about yeah, and it had them the going back to the year 1986 or something like that. And it had that. like Kirk and Spock's faces sort of yeah. like mushed together over the, the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the copy was on it, but I know it specifically referenced the year that they went back. It, it, it always reminded me very much of a Back to the Future poster. It might have even been been, done, uh, been drawn by the same artist now that I think about it. You know, painted by the same artist. Shatner is just like, thank God my wig is staying on. <laughs> I always liked this part, but I always felt it needed subtitles. <laughs> yeah, like the probes, uh, probes like, you guys ordered the, the Breen pizza? The, the, <laughs> the Brill pizza or whatever it is that... There's some people Extra all sardines. Dead? <laughs> 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 they say it's okay. There's, there's, we're we're back to repopulate the planet and then have incest whale babies to to for the rest <laughs> of, you know, it. The one one whale couple is not going to repopulate the, the whale population even if one's pregnant. But then again, maybe they can clone them or uh Someday we'll have to do a fan edit and put subtitles in. <laughs> yeah, I know these human people they suck, but you know, come on. Don't it's kill just, them. It's just funny how different Shatner looks when he's wet when he's doesn't have his hair perfectly <laughs> perfectly quaffed, you know? He looks he looks like a, a like a drowned catter, you know, or you know that's just like, oh, I w hope nobody sees me like this. I like that shot right there of the of the whale's eye, you know, and the very mournful nature of uh, of the song that it's singing. I, I like that. Well, whale songs always sound mournful and their eyes always look sad too. And then you got it's kind of 2001y with the with the ball on the alien probe and the whale's eye and yeah we thought that looked like a giant space salami it almost looks like it has an atmosphere and water on it it almost looks like it has like clouds and 
Yeah. I, I, I like it because it's one of those vague things that you, you only see parts of it in the light and it's so you never really get a idea of exact if it's a solid matter thing or if it's some sort of see it looks like it's almost got like a yeah atmosphere on it yeah. yeah there was you know see i like this because you you can just you know i kind of was joking about the subtitle thing you, you don't really need any of that because you can infer everything you need to know just from the way the scene plays out you know you don't need it all handed to you Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I forget who wrote it, but somebody felt that, I guess, that we needed to. And there was a, a sequel to this. It was a novel called uh, Probe. And it was god-awful. <laughs> and it, it basically tried to give you all the secrets. You know, where did the probe come from? You know, what was the nature of, you know, whatever the people were that sent it? And, you know, it has Ahura finally deciphers, like, the whale language and everything. And it, it was Goodbye, just, it was stock not... footage whale. Goodbye. <laughs> we're on a soundstage in a, in a water tank. <laughs> See, this always... Huh? Has the look of like they're at a theme park or something, you know? <laughs> right. Well, they're on, a, they're on a. Uh, this was the the parking lot at Paramount. <laughs> used to be a giant water tank for those old sea battle movies back in the day. Yeah. And when they realized that, they went and they they dredged it all out and reclaimed it. And this is literally in the parking lot at Paramount. That that you know that scene of them splashing around and everything. Unfortunately, there were still sharks in Kirk's time. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, another Klingon bird of prey comes down and harpoons the whales. <laughs> hey, an Andorian. Asshole. They're always... <laughs> Don't trust those Andorians. They seem to have gotten darker blue in, in the intervening yeah, years. that one is, yeah. He's like a Smurf Andorian. <laughs> I swear to God, there's some Jedi Council members sitting over there. <laughs> Captain Spock, you do not stand accused as the president. I stand with my shipmates. As I like this scene a whole lot. The charges and specifications are conspiracy. That, uh, that outfit he's wearing is very Kryptonian to me. Uh-huh. I love the little eye roll Scotty gives. Just a little, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's thinking, one of my proudest moments. McCoy's just like, God damn it. He looks good right there. And if you watch that scene really carefully, that pan across, you realize how short Shatner really yeah. is compared to everybody else. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't have him up on a up on lifts or something. I guess no. I guess Nimoy is not the tallest guy either. It's always the Fonz is a little short guy. <laughs> a little sawed off runt. I don't know if those are supposed to be like drinking glasses in front of those delegates or whatever, but that th it looked like one of those little Glade air freshener things. <laughs> this is a good See, place See right there? Oh, yeah. no, it looks like a bottle of like bottled water or something like space bottled water. 
<laughs> I love that look. <laughs> we grant you a free ticket to Planet of the Hookers. Yeah! <laughs> or Chinese people's heads get really big in the future. I like how all the, the <laughs> space Harry Krishnas. Yes, exactly. I like how that all the aliens that have big like rubber heads always do like pantomime motions instead <laughs> of being like real people. They like bow their heads and like whoa with their arms and stuff. <laughs> Did you see that woman's hair in the background? Jesus, she had a beehive. Like, <laughs> I love the alien guys in this one. She's like, I really dig these new Buck Rogers outfits you guys have in the future here. Wait a minute, where are you going? You're going to your ship. I'm going to mine. Science does that. Except we can even use a catch-up learning material. <laughs> I got. I, I'm. She's. She's got to be the worst scientist in all of Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 what she? What good is she gonna be? They're, they're gonna be like, how did you guys used to do this wrong or not do it at all in your time? <laughs> it's really useful to have on a ship. Well, see, she makes it sound like she's going out into space, but I would, I would think that it would be a ship, as in like a, a, a seagoing vessel, right? Yeah. You'd think she would be studying marine biology or something like that. I love that look on Kirk's face. He's like, I totally didn't get any. How did how did that happen? I'm thinking, so all you have to do to get into Starfleet is be, like, from the past. You don't have to. <laughs> In the time it took them to court-martial them, she's like, you know, she hasn't had to go to Starfleet Academy or... Or gotten uh she's like she's probably like a like a DOD type of thing, you know what I mean? She's she's a, a civilian contractor. I guess. She's the only person on the planet that knows shit about whales, dude. She'd be better off working with an antique dealer or something, probably. <laughs> yeah, you're it's right. Nice she's, little... huh? she's probably going to uh, follow the whales around, yeah. She could, she could open, you know, she could, uh, you know, re-jumpstart the, the SeaWorld franchise or something, you know? <laughs> It's a nice little moment between uh, Spock and Sarek here. I, I always know. like that. Well, Mark I Leonard's miss... even looking young in this. You yeah. Know. I miss him, too. He was a good actor. That's one of the things, one of the elements of, of Next Gen that I've never been sure if I'm entirely comfortable with or not is I always like this little reconciliation between Spock and Sarek at the end of this movie. And they kind of undo all that when Spock comes on next gen, you, you learn that something had happened in the intervening years where there was a, a, a new rift between the two of them. And I was never really sure how I felt about that. It doesn't make sense because it seems Sarak definitely is character mellowed over the years, you know? Yeah. He and Spock both mellowed and, but if you notice they're doing the little rocking thing here too, there's even a little lens flare. Mm-hmm. Something about I've... that shot always reminds me of the medical frigate from uh, um, Empire <laughs> and Jedi. That's cool. 
Now, one of the criticisms I remember reading about this over the years was something about, you know, it sure was convenient that they kept a spare Enterprise around in case Kirk broke his or something really snarky like that. And I always felt that that was a little unjustified because I, I think... See? See the, the stark white yeah. bridge? And did you notice in the last scene that Uhura was feeling up on Scotty's shoulder yeah. and on his side? So that yeah. that sort of showed up in the next movie. I also noticed that Kirk, you know, at the at the Now here we go screen, with... Th this is a TV yeah. ending all the way with the still pictures. Dude, this should totally end. The last shot should be uh, Baylock at the very end of it. <laughs> it should be. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. They would do that these days. They would That's... be able to get away with that th these days without it being too weird. It would be uh, with people getting it. People would get it these days, that sort of meta That would be my contribution to, to, to a fan edit would be to just put Baylock in at the very end. That would be awesome. And now, and now into like moving shots, just a very, just an un, you don't, you don't see this much at all anymore. You didn't uh -huh. really even see it a lot then. And it's definitely unlike any other, it's, it's very much like a TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, that shot where they were on the shuttle at the far right, you know, like you say, Ahura puts her hands on Scotty, but also the two people that are with Kirk were Scotty and Chekhov, which, you know, I, I commented in our generation's commentary how, how odd I felt it was that, that those were the three that go aboard the Enterprise B, but it's kind of weird that it, those are the three that are standing together at the mm -hmm. end of this movie. I don't know, it's, it's kind of strange. I do like this a lot more than I remembered that I did. I mean, I, I've never, like, disliked the movie. It's just... I'd always had some some issues with it, and uh, I still feel like maybe it, it hasn't aged. Oh, I think it's aged, aged a lot better than it should have, you know right. what I mean? But I, I think there's other ones in the series that have a much more timeless feel than this one does. Well, the good thing about this is, is it doesn't become dated... It, it it doesn't become dated because it's it's set in that time period, so it can be have an '80s feel to it. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of being, you know, you know, we're we're not supposed to have to pretend that it's now. You know. So right. I think that that it gets away with that. You know. Right. And it could have been a lot more '80s. My my primary uh, my primary criticism though re really remains the score. I, I I think I just feel like it, it needed something a little more. I don't know. Oh, I bet you it just didn't get as much money put into it. And look look here's the memorable shot of Kirk getting his beer. <laughs> it's such a weird cheers. It's such a weird. I hate you. Written by Kirk Thatcher. <laughs> performed by Edge of Etiquette. We're the Edge of Etiquette. Fuck you. <laughs> Actually, I think that I think there is an F word in that song too. You know, it's not heard in the movie, of course, but I think the if you, you, know, if the, you ever got the full version of it. Yeah, the expanded release of this score is out now. It's a it's a two disc expanded edition, and that song is on it. And I, I'm I, I think there is an F bomb in there now that I think about it. 
It reminds me of when Ween was hired to do a commercial for Pizza Hut. Where they had the cheese in the crust and it was called Where'd the Cheese Go? And the and Pizza Hut was like, Can we have like three different versions? And one was just like Where did cheese go? I don't know. Where did cheese go? I don't know. I don't know. Where did cheese go? I don't know. Where did cheese go? I don't know. And then the other one was Where do the motherfucking cheese go in? I don't know. Where the motherfucking cheese go in? I don't know. I didn't know Samuel L. Jackson showed up at the end of this movie. Sure, he shows up at the end of every movie. Well, that was a lot of fun. What did, what did you think of that? I enjoyed that movie. I'm I, I I've been looking forward to doing this because I wanted I was waiting for you to see it and go. That wasn't as bad as I've been saying it's been. <laughs> I knew it would happen. I knew well, I wasn't I... insane in my in my um, last time I watched it. Well, we got two things to do. We need to uh, we need to pick the uh, we need to let the random number generator pick the episode for next time around. And uh, and I have a little proposal, comic book wise. Ooh, okay. So which do you want to do first? Do the comic book while I fire up the computer here. All right. Well, what I was thinking is, um, you know, now that we're we're past Star Trek four. You know, we can go into the new era of uh, of the DC Comics, which is going to pick up, you know, right where the movie ends. I've actually read the first issue, and uh, surprise, surprise, it was actually a lot better than I remembered it to be. I remember that issue not being very good, but I actually enjoyed it. But however, I suddenly remembered something when I was watching this movie last night. You know, you had mentioned something about, you know, did Jillian ever appear anywhere else? And I do know of somewhere that she appeared. And this is actually something that we've had a number of requests for us to cover at some point, and I think this is the perfect time to do it. There was a great, great graphic novel put out by DC. It was called Star Trek Debt of Honor, and it was written by Chris Claremont, you know, X-Men Chris yeah. Claremont. Art by Adam Hughes and uh, ink by, uh, inks by Carl Story. I don't know if you've ever read this. I think you'd enjoy the hell out of it. And uh, I, I remember I when it came out, but I've never read it. it. It was really... I haven't read it in years and years, but I remember really enjoying it. And I know it takes place right after 4, shortly after 4, because uh, Kirk reunites with, uh, with Jillian uh, in the beginning of it, if I remember properly. So uh, I want to throw that out there. What do you think about covering that one next time around? Okay. Cool. Easy enough. All right, all right, I got the computer all, uh... All right. And it's coming up number 20. Ooh, number 20 is Court Martial. Oh, I was wondering when we were going to get to this one. <laughs> I like that one. I haven't seen that one in a long time. All I remember, I remember is there's some Shatner... 
Kirkerama-ness going on in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some Kirkerama going on in this one. Wow, I'm I'm very impressed that we got it on the first um, spin too. We're getting <laughs> to that point where, you know, we're 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 more than halfway through. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the definitely. original Star Trek. So it's yep. almost like a fifty-fifty chance of picking one on the random number that we've already done. So court martial, it is sweet. So court martial. And the Star Trek uh, graphic novel Debt of Honor next time around on uh, Star Trek Monthly Monday. So uh, join us on the forum. Let us know what you guys thought of this commentary, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it, too, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say. Sure. Enjoy it or don't enjoy it. I don't care. What What the hell do I care? You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. 
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. Double dumbass on you!